Welcome to Sustainable 9. Thank you very much. Welcome, listener. We're here, Sustainable 9. Everything is great because the sky is blue outside, and in the People's Republic of North Somerset, the daffodils are coming out. Spring has sprung. I spent the morning looking at bees in my garden and blackbirds and blue tits. It's lovely. Full of the joys of spring. And my my sister's had another baby, which is excellent news. So in only four years' time, she'll be reading out... Sustainable of the week, I'm sure. Great news! Congratulations, Arabella, on your new sister. Uh, is it the sister for Arabella? No, no, other one. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, what Arabella. we got coming up this week? Oh, we have got the global mega brand pop star that is Will I Am or William to his mother, uh, who has engaged in some pretty prodigious babble this week. We have also got some exciting reasons to be cheerful on uh, CO2 grounds. And we have got, as the meat of the issue, the tricky issue of housing. Do we need loads more houses? What are they going to be like for the environment? All of that sort of stuff. Very good. And we also have our uh, our inaugural Inhoff of the week, who this week uh, will, well, just wait and see. Let's get on with it, shall we? Sustainable of the week. So, Sustainable of the week. Every week we have a little look. Uh, what has been said in the name of going green, uh, which has got our goat, which has knocked us right off. And what have we got this week, Dave? Oh, this is fantastic. This is just, just amazing. This is a wonderful concoction, a beautiful combination, a coming together of global television bellend Will I Am, <laughs> massive international uh, Isn't that his man- Is that on his website? It probably is, yeah, it probably is. It's probably bell.end, isn't it? Um, international <laughs> drinks conglomerate, Coca-Cola, um, and one of the world's most expensive shops to come up with something which sounds environmental, and when you dig into it, is about as applicable to the planetary emergency um, as, uh, I don't know, uh, Richard Branson painting his house in a slightly greener sort of paint. What it is, um, what it actually is, is recycled clothes, um, and more specifically taking plastic bottles and using them to make uh, clothes out of, which is not, I mean, you would think, looking at the press release that Coca-Cola and Will I Am have put out, you would think they had invented, you think they were the first people to come up with a concept, but I don't think they are. I'm pretty sure that fleece I've got over there has got, like, uh, some old recycled plastic bottles in it, and I think uh, my wife's got some leggings that have got, it's not a new concept, is it? No, I'm, standard. I'm yeah. it you were saying earlier, yeah. a lot of sportswear is just, you know, totally standardly using bits of recycled plastic. It's, um yeah. Yeah, but, but obviously, you know, Will I Am, uh, who is the world's most fashionable and zany person, uh, doesn't <laughs> thinks that the problem with that is that everyone's worried about how good they look, and they think that if they wear clothes made out of plastic bottles, they will look like they're walking around wearing plastic bottles. So they launched this thing called Eco Cycle, and you know it's green because it's got the word Eco with a K, um, and obviously cycle. it's a K. Obviously, obviously, obviously it's, it's a K. Okay. Yeah. yeah, obviously it's a K. Okay. Uh, which is a brand basically that uh, uses, as far as I can tell, well, the press release has been churned through the babble mincer. I'm really not sure about this. As far as I can tell, uses Coca-Cola bottles um, and use it. Come up, comes up with some sort of fabric, I think, which is then made into, you know, partially made into clothes and stuff. 
And this press release here is just full of prime babble, it really is. Uh, you know, the, the EcoCycle brand it educates and empowers consumers to proactively seek out more sustainable lifestyle choices by identifying everyday household products and recycling them into wearable and usable items, which, if you didn't know better, you'd think meant they were identifying like a fork or a pot plant or a, or a toilet brush and turning it into a chiffon or something like that. But given that the uh, purpose of this exercise is to make products, you know, accessible and transform people's perception of it, I presume that we'll be able to get them in loads of shops and stuff, will we? Because the whole point is make it sustainable, make it every day, make it accessible. So I'm sure if I pop down to the spa at the end of my road, they'll have the um, the Will I Am range there. But it doesn't say that in the press release. In fact, it does say it's only going to be going to be available in Harrods. Third floor, apparently, which highlights uh, commitment to offering customers the most innovative and luxurious products from around the world. So, well, we better have a little look, see how much these are, see what they're selling and see how much they're going to cost. Well, they'll be cheap, though, right? Because, you know, everyone needs to be able to afford these things. I mean, you know, this is about making recycled materials normal, yeah? Exactly, yeah. So what we've got on here, here we go, right. Got a little bag, a backpack. That's kind of useful, you know. Everyone, yeah. Could picture Arabella trotting off to school in a nice recycled backpack. Mm. Um, so let's have a look how much this costs. Well, why don't we ask her actually, Arabella? How much? How much does the medium Stark backpack um, cost you? One thousand four hundred and fifteen pounds. Uh, I'm so sorry, Arabella. I, I didn't didn't quite hear you. How much? One thousand four hundred and fifteen pounds. Okay. Uh, Arabella, I want you to think about. I think you're having a little problem with your with your reading. Your 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 this crazy talk. Can you just say one more time how much this bag costs? One thousand four hundred and fifteen pounds. Oh blimey! Okay. Uh, what the actual? It's it's a bag. It's a backpack. Look at it. What's it made out of? Nothing much. Just well, I tell you what it is made of, and you'd think that given all the guff we were talking to earlier, it would be um, you know 100% recycled. But it's 33% post-consumer, whatever. What's the rest of it? Unicorn tears and Jimi <laughs> Hendrix's g-string, or what? What's what it made out of? Is it like studded with diamonds or something? Yeah, well, it's studded, but with like metal. I think they they call it uh, complete with the MCM logo and statement pyramid stud detailing. Who the hell spends one and a half thousand pounds? Who's got one and a half thousand pounds? I haven't got one and a half thousand pounds. Who spends one and a half thousand pounds on a bag in Harrods? Well, How the hell is that? Must be bloody well, will, will I, I am, am, isn't it? It must be. God's sake, there's more. There's more. And it's, there is, he's right, there is clothing. And for instance, the first thing you click on there, you see a picture of a um, presumably very wealthy man wearing a little bow tie. And think, all right, well, maybe I can, um, I can get a little bow tie for my, my pennies. 50 pounds. £50 for your recycled, your upcycled bow tie or whatever it is. The the only people who are going to spend £1,500 on a bag or £50 on a bow tie, or to be perfectly honest, wear a bow tie, are the sort of people who walk down the King's Road just dropping diamonds casually out of their back pocket, kicking homeless people in the face for no reason, setting fire to money. Just because, you know, because they're cold. Um, and they're about as far away removed from making recycling normal as it's possible. Again, the best thing those sort of people could do if they really cared about the planet is stay inside and give all their money to me. And then I would use it to buy a million kittens and make them safe. Mm. 
Mm. Well, you are inevitably going to turn into one of those crazy cat sort of old men who smells that's- of cat wee and don't know, realize it. But that's that's beside the point. It turn is- into. Hmm? So, <laughs> yes. I suppose it's only because you can't do smell on Skype yet. That's the only reason I don't know, <laughs> that you reek of kitten piss. <laughs> it's. <laughs> You're right there, duck. You look a bit stressed. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I am. My girlfriend and I are in the middle of trying to buy a flat, which is all very exciting in one sense um, and all terrifying and hard and confusing and above all expensive in the other sense. Do you buy in in London? You're trying to buy a flat in London. In London, yeah. Crikey. How many legs you got? How many legs have I got? How many arms you got? I can't see your arms and legs from here. I presume you've had to chop off one of each and to give it to the estate agent just for the privilege of being able to queue up for half an hour to be shown round some rabbit hutch. Yeah, um, no, we gave them a kidney as a deposit, um, yeah. which should be fine. Apparently you only need one. And they're expensive, right? Very expensive. And why yeah. are they expensive? Well, I guess one reason is that there are too many people wanting houses and not enough houses. Supply is not meeting demand, which is pushing everything up. So we need more, right? This is what they say. This is what they say. We've got to build more houses. They say we've got a massive housing shortage and we've got to build more houses. And because we are, you know, greeny sorts, we don't like building new houses, do we? No, no. Houses go in places where wildlife was um, houses use up loads and loads of cement and concrete, which uses loads of carbon emissions, and mm. they create more opportunities for people to pump gas into the atmosphere. I don't know. They're awful, awful things. Yeah, and people, when they get their houses, they fill them with televisions and children and one and a pounds backpacks and <laughs> sit around, you know, belching out methane. I'm gonna take out. I'm going to take out a mortgage to get one of those backpacks just to prove the point. Um, it is a massive caricature. If I can single out one caricature of my of what people think environmentalists are like, it is that they hate building houses, right? But it's a bit more. It's not quite fair, is it? I don't think that because no. there's lots of different ways and places to build a house, and obviously people need somewhere to live, right? So uh, I was walking through the centre of Bristol yesterday, and there's big chunks of it right by the station there. I don't know anyone who knows Bristol. Right by the centre there, there's this massive, great, hulking ruin of a, I think used to be a big sorting office or something. It's a huge area that's just got pigeons flying around, and it is completely desolate. So it's not like they're, you know, the first thing you have to do when you build a house is go and bulldoze through the green belt, is it? No, I mean, but that's kind of what you, you're led to believe, by certainly by developers, um, you know, and it's developers want big open spaces where it's, it's cheap to plonk loads of houses and, and make, and make more, more money. But, yeah, similarly, round here, actually, just, just behind where I live, um, there's a great big new development that's gone up, and that, that was on sort of what you'd call brownfield site, I guess, and Brownfield is that thing. So Brownfield means like not greenfield, basically. So it's like where something already exists, existed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You're not yeah. chopping down more trees or ripping up grasslands to, to do it. It's, right. you know, ex-industrial or whatever. And to be honest, it looks, that development looks pretty good to me. I, don't, I haven't looked into it all that much, but it's, you know, they're good solid houses. They're, they're clearly well insulated. Um, they're in keeping with the kind of local architectural style. There's a lot of them. It's not stupidly high. It's relatively attractive to look at. Um, you know, a bit of green stuff has been put out the front. But yeah, 
there's nowhere for like birds to live and stuff. And this might what? seem like a bit of a strange thing to chuck into the into I don't the think mix, you've understood what houses are. Right now, I'm staring at, out across a, a relatively new housing development, and there aren't any eaves, you know, where these things like to live. There's no, there's no little nooks and crannies. They're just kind of hermetically sealed units, which, which are great for energy efficiency, um, but less great for, you know, critters. Of all the stuff, so we, you know, we often talk in our little section on this podcast, don't we, about environmental things that are confusing. And, and the, the origin of this podcast was to find stuff that was really hard and mm. sort of confess to the fact that it's really hard. And I can't think of anything that's like harder than houses because it's about everything. Like housing is the most lucrative thing you can do with your money, right? You've got some money, you buy houses with it. You're a Malaysian businessman, you come over here, you buy massive great tracts of the city of London and you just mm. sit on it, sit on it as an investment. Like it's pretty much guaranteed cash, isn't it? Yeah, it's and, it, and it's famous. I think is it One Hyde Place, which is some of the most expensive um, property in, in, in London and is famously unoccupied, just sitting there becoming more and more valuable. But this is nothing. And, and in London in particular... So apparently, according to Shelter, there are 709,000 empty homes in England, right? Wow. Three, nearly three quarters of a million empty homes in England. And in London, 72,000 empty homes. Wow. Now, wow. everyone seems to pretty much accept that there's a massive pressure on housing on London. Certainly, there, you know, there are a lot of people. It's a growing city. Um, it's very cramped. The fact that properties like the one I'm buying are so ludicrously expensive shows that, that, that there is a supply problem. But where the, how does this figure? No one ever talks about what you do, how, how you put 72,000 families into these 72,000 empty homes. What? And so greenies end up saying, they look at this big complicated mess of stuff and they end up saying the same kind of things, don't they? Build your houses properly, so nice energy efficient houses, link them up with public transport, don't put them in floodplains for heaven's sake, it's a stupid idea, uh, don't knock down bunny rabbit habitats in order to build them, um, and try and make sure if you're going to build houses that you, you give them to the, you make them more social housing than not. And then that's a sort of stock environmentalist response stuff, but really, you know, it's, there's, so, there's some really big kind of forces going on there about like global capital and the mortgage industry. You know, this is a mortgage industry. It, it was mortgages that was behind the last financial crisis. I mean, yeah. like mortgages are massive, 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 massive things. Yeah. So um, I think we should you know, probably reject the idea as a start, just as a sort of de facto argument, we should reject the idea that the, the absolute first thing you have to do is build houses. You do have to build more houses and you have to build the right ones. But actually, we need to have a look at the whole blinking way our bonkers relationship with property in this country works, I think. Yeah, if you've got 200,000 people homeless in the UK and you've got 600,000 people living in overcrowded housing and you've got 700,000 unoccupied houses there would seem like there's something gone drastically wrong with the way in which we um, we we deal with, with how and where people live. And the solution surely isn't only to just build more houses when you've got that gaping problem that needs addressing. Yeah, well, I think that um, kind of wraps that up, doesn't it? This, this is all really difficult. And I think what we've managed to do there is comprehensively prove that there is no sort of off-the-shelf easy thing to do about houses. You need to build them. You probably don't need to just build them before you do other stuff. You need to make them green. You need to link them up with public transport and you need to have a place that your, 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 your stoats can nest or whatever it is you think needs to happen to them. You leave my stoats out of it. In of the week. Yes, and welcome to the newly renamed 
Inhof of the Week section, formerly Complete and Utter Nasty Toe Rag of the Week, but renamed in honour of the great American Senator Inhof, who's just a piece of work. So this week, who has performed the role of Total Rotter? This one is just, this is just weird. Oh, this is weird for a lot of reasons, right? This is a guy from the UK Independence Party, UKIP. He's an MEP called Stuart Agnew, who uh, is a guy who had a bit of a claim to fame previously for saying that women lack ambition because they have babies. Nice. Um, and that's, nice. Why they're, that's why there aren't more women in business because they don't have the ambition because they choose to have babies. Not, you we, know, should go and, not, we should go and work for Exxon, shouldn't he, like last week? He probably should for lots of reasons, actually. And he stood up. This is very weird. And I've had this, I've seen this. You know, when you see something and you think, is this a joke? Is this a joke? Have UKIP done a thing that's a joke again? Because there was that thing a couple of weeks ago where that UKIP person said, uh, what happens when the renewable energy runs out? And everyone was like, ha, 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 look at this silly UKIP person. And actually, yeah. probably, like, I've got, I think you, you agree with me, don't you? It's a sneaking suspicion that probably she just missed, you know, said something a bit silly rather than actually I, thinking renewable energy I think runs so. Out. Um, well, so she's since, you know, been furiously defending it and saying, actually, what I meant was what happens when the subsidies come out. So... Yeah. Whatever, you know, whether she she spoke misspoke or, or not, she's since been trying to say something which is you know, at least vaguely sensible. But this is different, isn't it? This is different. I think it's probably best. So this is a he stood up in the European Parliament where he is uh, an MEP and he said this. Uh, Mr. Pitella, uh, Mr. Anu has uh, a question of you. Go ahead, please, Mr. Anu. Mr. Patella, are you aware that if you succeed in decarbonising Europe, our crops will have no natural gas to grow from? We have to have carbon dioxide. This is madness, absolute madness what you are suggesting. And our industry, our agricultural industry, is going to suffer heavily if we attempt to bury carbon dioxide in the ground. It is absolutely mad. I mean, what? I mean... What? <laughs> so is he's, he's suggesting, let me get this right, yeah. he's suggesting that efforts to decarbonise the economy mm-hmm. are tantamount to trying to suck all of the carbon dioxide out of the air. Yeah. Yeah? So I think <laughs> which, what he's done... I mean, if that's what we were proposing, it wouldn't just be plants that would be struggling... It would be like, we wouldn't be able to bloody breathe. Of course, that's not what's going on here, you idiot. But if that's what he, th- I think that's what he thinks. I think when he hears decarbonise, you know, which which it, it is a bit of sustainability jargon, isn't it, in itself? But what it basically means is like run an energy system that doesn't spit loads of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere more than there already is. I think when he hears that, he means get a massive hoover and sit sit up in the stratosphere and suck the carbon dioxide out. I think that's... He really believes that. He means, he means fundamentally stru- uh, change the structure of the air that we breathe. That- <laughs> I th- the best thing about that, um, I, I, I haven't played the clip of this because it's a visual thing and I will put the link on we'll put the link on our YouTube site. The best thing about it is the look on the face of the poor guy from the EU, I think is the, the chair of some sort of committee, I'm afraid, I don't yeah. know exactly who he is, who doesn't do what we've just done there and gone, What? Are you yeah. completely batshit mental? Doesn't do <laughs> Incidentally, that. I'd like to hear the translator doing that because the best thing about watching clips from the EU is that whenever anyone's um, speaking not in English, what you actually hear is the translator's voice. So I'd love to hear the translator very calmly saying, and I'm afraid you have been batshit crazy. 
But he doesn't do that, this guy. Uh, he just looks at him with this look of incredulity on his face and then gives a very straight answer, you know, a very straight sort of factual answer about what's actually being proposed, which makes you think that he must get this sort of crazy <laughs> stuff all the time. The final, final thing that really surprises me about this is that this isn't something which has been unearthed by a kind of, you know, a scurrilous greeny type like us. This is something they've put on their, on their official YouTube channel. They're proud of this. Reasons to be cheerful. So good news time. Every week we have a little look at the good things that are going on, the reasons to be cheerful amongst all this gloom. And every week Dave says it's not a reason to be cheerful. That's, that's a subplot, but, but he's not going to this week because, drumroll please, this year, well this week we have discovered that in 2014... Global emissions stopped going up for the first time in 40 years. And for the first time, it wasn't because of a massive global recession. This is massive, massive news. I mean, there's still loads and loads of emissions going on, but they're not increasing. And it potentially could be the beginning of the end of rising emissions. Huh? Dave. I'm trying. I'm trying. Dave. I'm trying. No, I'm trying. I'm trying very, very hard. Give me a minute here. Hang on. This uh, is massive. We've talked so long about, you know, the need for emissions to peak in, well, by no later than 2015, 2016 and start declining. And they may have actually peaked globally. Well, this is huge. And the yeah, economy is okay. growing. The global economy yeah, is growing. See, no, I mean, it... Here we okay. go. No, uh, no. Look, Dave doesn't like the fact that uh, global emissions no, are no, no longer no, increasing. No, it's good. It's, it's good. official. The relevant thing is that global emissions have peaked. Although, actually, I'll tell you something else. I don't know how they measure it. I mean, do they? Is it actually measured from like literally sticking a thermometer up into the stratosphere, or is it like working it out <laughs> from the Earth's bum into the Earth's bum <laughs> up the bum of the Earth under its tongue? Or is I don't it, know how they do it. And I, I think there's they problems with um, with stuff that they don't measure, like methane leakage and you yeah. know, fugitive emissions they call it don't know the stuff where it's no one's really sure where it's leaking out but all the that. stuff that they are measuring is decreasing or no longer well, yeah. increasing and I suppose the other part of it is you know you, you've said that this is the first time emissions haven't risen apart from when there's been some sort of major economic trauma uh, and the only thing I suppose is that I'm not convinced that I trust the way we measure GDP either it seems to get um I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about this, but it's, a lot of countries have changed GDP measurements to include things that weren't previously included, like uh, illegal drugs and prostitution, for example, which was activity that would have happened anyway, is now being counted as GDP, so it makes GDP look higher. Mm. And you've got Nigeria changed its definition of GDP, which pretty much overnight seemed to give it a huge boost to GDP. So I guess the point is, uh, there's there's two measuring things going on here. There's the measurement of how much emissions we've got and the measurement of how much GDP we've got. And it looks like that measurement is giving you something you know, useful. Uh, but you really, it's sort of long-term trendy stuff that's more relevant. And this could just be a statistical blip. And also, plus, uh, we need to get them down, right? Not just not just freeze. The other aspect of it that we haven't, we haven't touched on is, is the politics of all this. And our friend James Murray of Business Green, he, he wrote a really good piece on this. And how do you respond to this news? If you're a global leader, um, do you go... All right, um, missions are starting to fall, uh, so job done, um, take our foot off the pedal, it's all taken care of itself. Or, and what I hope is going to be the better reaction and, and the more likely reaction, is that it's an actually empowering thing. You know, for once, you think, actually, this stuff's working. This stuff's working, we're onto something. You know, let's, let's put our pedal to the metal and, um, 
and plow on with this stuff and, and drive them down even faster. And who knows, we might actually be the generation that grappled with one of the biggest existential threats to humanity that's ever existed. Your ability to remain cheerful in the face of me trying to put you off is extremely impressive. Schadenfreude of the week. What's this? A new section? Ooh, Ooh, sorry. New one. This is the news, and it's made me cheerful, that a, a solar farm which had been approved by everyone who needed to approve it and then Eric Pickles, the community secretary, who hates renewable energy, he called this in. He called it in and said, right, I'm going to, just going to reject it. But this week, Supreme Court told him that he couldn't do that and he was wrong to and he had to let it go through. And it is, there's just, there's just some, some wonderful quotes from the people who are Lark Energy, they're called, and Joe Wall is the, the development director of the project. And she, she put out a quote in which you can sort of... You can just feel the the massive effort she's having to put in to restrain herself from just screaming obscenities at this man who has caused needless stress in her life and presumably a lot of people she works with. She said, she said things like, It would seem some elements of the government wish to prevent large-scale solar developments even when the majority of the public supports them. This is in stark contrast to the development to the treatment afforded the far less popular fracking and nuclear industries and is difficult for the many SMEs engaged in the solar sector to understand. We you know what she really meant was up yours pickles up <laughs> yours. Screw you, we've bloody done it. We use nothing you and your stupid anti-renewable prejudice can do about it. So schadenfreude that. Prediction time. Right, predictions then. Uh, currently standing at one all, isn't it, I think? And we, if you listeners last week will remember that Ollie in his magnificent benevolence gave me a stay of execution because we recorded last week's podcast a bit early i had predicted that the climate march which went on in london last weekend may the 6th 7th whatever that saturday was would have more people at it than the forty thousand estimated to have attended the one before that uh and i got that one little teeny tiny bit wrong didn't i yeah yeah no well I'd say generously, you were out by a factor of um, about fifty percent. Oh, right. Not generously. It was. I mean, depending on who you ask. Obviously, all of these marches, the police and the media say there was about three people and a dog there, and the organisers say it was a million people. And the truth is, is somewhere in between. But what um, the the top end was that there were about twenty thousand people there. It certainly felt pretty big. Okay. But um, but the organisers were not saying any more than twenty thousand and. Um, it wasn't 40,000. Fair it enough. And I have to be totally honest, I, I kind of, I, I was doing an optimistic prediction. I wasn't entirely sure that would happen. Okay, so I don't get a point for character. that. <laughs> Indeed, yeah I, yeah. I do have a sunny side. It just <laughs> needs to be tickled out into the light sometimes. <laughs> uh, and then last week, your prediction was that you were off to the, well, you, you were off to Green Party Conference and you predicted that you would get waylaid by a person with a leaflet about chemtrails, which is uh, toxic stuff put into plain juice up in the sky to fall down and turn us all into subservient lizards did you get a leaflet allegedly allegedly yeah that doesn't as far as i know uh (laughs) definitely happen did you get such a leaflet 
I've, I've really got to stop making such specific predictions. Yes, yes you have. Yeah. It's, just, it's just ludicrous. No, I didn't. I didn't really get any leaflets given to me. In fact, I was the one dishing out leaflets because I was on a bloody stool. So it was yeah. not only wrong, but entirely hypocritical. Okay. But um, yeah, no, no to, leaflets. No, no more specific predictions, I think. I think um, you need to start doing what I do and like making incredibly broad brush predictions, right? Although, so I, it's my turn, isn't it? It's still one all. Um, yeah. and so, so nine episodes in and we scored a total of two goals I know it's not very, not very good is it considering we kind of should know this stuff um, it is budget week so the budget mm. is going to happen on Wednesday the 18th of March which is the Chancellor of the UK George Osborne Finance Minister is when he stands up every year and does a sort of financial state of the union staff announces what things he's going to tax what he's going to spend money on so here is my prediction that uh, it's two predictions, one of which is, is is impossible to check, so it doesn't really count, and one of which is the one that I think is possible to check. I think the Chancellor will not mention the phrase renewable energy at all. I think mm. it will simply not be mentioned. Yeah. Um, that and that does that be... include like wind power or solar power? Uh, Any yeah, specific... it does. It does. It does. Yeah. You have to okay. give me a bit of linguistic uh, room on this one, but yeah, basically he won't mention it at all he won't slag it off he won't mention it he will talk about non-green energy he will talk about oil and gas but he won't talk about renewable energy at all and believe it or not it has got to the point now where that frankly is a blessing in disguise you know it's much better that he's just keeping his mouth shut than actively getting out his halogen torch and trying to set fire to the entire renewables industry through the power rhetoric Um, it's a depressing reality isn't it it is isn't it and the prediction that can't be checked of course is that uh, he will flex his buttocks in time to a marching song that he's playing in his head in the run-up to his biggest announcements. I like to think of him when he's getting ready to announce how big GDP is going to be in the year 2042, according to Microsoft Excel, um, twitching his buttocks with increasing increasing power and tempo, getting ready for, for, for the moment itself. Um, I, I, I like to imagine that. It keeps, it keeps me happy. <laughs> Right then, okay, Sustainable 9 done. First, first generation Sustainable tick. Woo, thank you very much, Dave. You were on sparkling form as ever. Thank you too to Arabella, who um, has helped us out enormously by telling us how much those bags cost. We're all off to buy one. Thank you to Dickie Moore and Bearcraft for his wonderful music, which we use gratefully every week. Indeed. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for all your lovely comments. We're getting more and more of them. We're getting uh, emails to hello at sustainababble.fish. We're getting lovely feedback at the Babble Wagon. And we have, we've got some really great ideas coming in for future shows, which we will use. So thank you very much. You can find us on Facebook. At, just look for Sustainababble. You can get hold of us in all the usual places. And do leave us a review if you like what you hear, because it makes a big difference. And do have a little check of those Facebook pages because this week Dave and I headed out to a park with a camera, frolicked around, put flowers in our hair and took pictures. And the results of that are going to be online, hopefully by the time you're listening to this. So enjoy. Indeed. Ollie was going for devilishly coquettish and I was going for intriguingly quizzical. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Dave. I will see you next week. I will see you next week. Bye, Ollie. Bye. Bye.